You know, one of the things that I have unfortunately done on the podcast on more than one occasion the last four years is to talk about uh, personal things and and death, especially. Um, And I've lost a lot uh, in the last few years, and I'm getting to the age where now sometimes you're losing more than you're gaining in life. Uh, I've lost my best friend to COVID. I've lost another childhood friend to cancer. I've lost my father-in-law. Uh, you know, just I, I've lost my uncle, and uh, you know, most recently, I've I've lost a couple of parents to my best friends. So I, I've lost a lot. Uh, my life is still great. Don't get me wrong. I, I got a great life. Uh, could not be more blessed. Uh, but I went through a, another just thunderous loss uh, here just a, a couple of nights ago. Our 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 family dog. Uh, We'd had him for 10 years. He was 13 years old. Charlie was his name, and he was losing some weight last spring. We brought him into the vet. Uh, the vet said, uh, you know, he might have as little as two weeks, could have two months. We don't know. Uh, that was in May. We were able to stretch things out through medication and everything to uh, to January 12th. Um, so lucky to have Charlie, in my life, uh, he was my four-legged son. Uh, kind of every once in a while, I will call him my baby boy. Uh, he was my buddy, and I did a lot of basketball work by taking Charlie out and going for long walks and just thinking, listening to podcasts and and thinking, and sitting on the couch and just. You know, Don Meyer once said, uh, to be a, a great coach, you need three You need three things. You need a great team, you need a great wife, a great spouse, and you need a great dog. And Charlie was a great dog. Um, things got to the point where it was, just, it was just time, and those of you that have ever owned a pet, you know what that is. Uh, it has been hard the last couple of days. Just being around the house, we're snowed in here in Omaha. Um, it's negative 30 degrees out as we speak. Uh, it is absolutely miserable. And so I don't know if it's better to have time to think about all the good times that you've had with with your pet or to be busy and kind of hopefully move on from it. I don't know. Uh, all I know is I miss him. I've multiple times over the last 48 hours, I've done things that I have just out of knee-jerk reflex have you know, just normally done, reached for his food because his bowl was empty, uh, looked for him as I was getting out of bed because he would sleep on my side of the bed on the floor, uh, things like that. Um, I never want to forget those things. Uh, he was just a, a great, a great, great dog, and he will be missed tremendously by our family. And I just wanted to, to, to say that because, uh, I've never been a big pet owner until we've had Charlie, and uh, he gave he gave us a lot of love, and we gave him a lot of love back. So I'm sorry if you think this is boring. I'm I'm sorry if you uh, I'm sorry if you don't like this. Um, you're here to talk about basketball. Fast forward through it. That's fine. I don't care. Um, but he was my four legged son, and we got 
to have a great companion for over 10 years. And I miss him so very, very much already. And um, I know that him crossing the Rainbow Bridge the other night at about 3 o'clock in the morning was the right thing to do. Uh, but it still hurts. So, buddy, I'm going to miss you. And just keep looking out for keep looking out for dad and mom and the kids uh, because they miss you too. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin Podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to our interview podcast series, episode number 206. And if you are a fan of Keith Oberman or Dan Patrick back in the day, you know that this is the halfway to the Danny Darwin episode of 206. My old college roommate and best friend, John, would get that one, and I hope he's giggling with that right now. But we are excited to have on ADM's head coach, their boys' head coach, uh, Trevor Michelson, uh, ADM, Adele DeSoto Minburn. Coach, where is that exactly? So we are, uh, first off, appreciate you having me on. Uh, excited to talk hoops with you here for a little bit. We are just on the west side of the Des Moines metro area. So we're about um, 10 minutes directly west uh, of Waukee. Oh, gotcha. So you're right out there on I-80. That's right. I have driven yeah. that road how many times in my life, and I can't. Adele DeSoto, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry, Coach. That's, no, that's my bad. It's so. all good. It's, yeah. it's, uh, we're, we're a little bit off the, the beaten path off of 80, so I don't even think – uh, the the signage says uh, Adele. I think it's a Winterset exit. So if you've passed that, that's kind of where we're at. The birthplace of John Wayne. Yes, sir. There you go. So, well, hey, we'll get to, to Coach Michelson here in just a bit. But before we get back to him and the bridges of Madison County, uh, we want to uh, recognize our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. If you are in Omaha, check out their practice, Cossack Chiro, K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening to iTunes, Spotify, whatever it may be, download, rate, review, give us five stars. Subscribe would be awesome. Subscriptions are great. It helps drive things. Uh, when people look up coaching basketball podcasts, uh, this helps pop us up to a, a higher level so that folks will see that there. So please do that. Uh, rate, review, let us know how we're doing here. And speaking of letting us know how we're doing, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach Michelson, it is, I just looked it up here, in Omaha, it is negative 10 degrees this Sunday morning. Uh, air temp is negative, or I'm sorry, wind chill makes it feel like negative 31 right now. So... Uh, tonight will be down to negative 16. Uh, about the same for you right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's about the same. It's it takes your breath away when you go outside. That's for sure. And so, but that is the that's the great thing about basketball. It's always the same temperature in the gym. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we don't have to manicure the fields or exactly uh, water it or anything like that. So there is. Well, yeah, we 
we actually had we were supposed to have some open gyms this weekend and our school district called them off because of the temperatures were so cold they said typically if we were scheduled to have school we would have been canceled yeah um so they didn't want kids going out which obviously makes a ton of sense so yeah we were we uh we were supposed to play tuesday this past tuesday got postponed because of the first storm that came through uh we moved it to thursday and then we moved it up in time to thursday so we were able to get it in uh, before this storm hit, but boy, it has been uh, it has been a monster here the last three or four days, and uh, yeah. uh, haven't been out of the house much. Uh, you know, just had to leave once basically, and and uh, yeah, just uh, we're, we're hanging in there, trying to trying to stay warm. So, um, but hey, let's not uh, let's not complain too much. We choose to live here, so we know this is part Absolutely. of the deal. So. Uh, <laughs> So let's dive into it, Coach. Um, let's uh, let's get this going here, Trevor. Uh, the way that we we normally get stuff going here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your your basketball background, your basketball journey, and mm-hmm. and how you came to be the uh, head boys basketball coach there at ADM. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm originally from Iowa. Uh, going back a little bit, just to talk about kind of my journey with basketball, and uh, so I. Grew up in Webster City, um, okay. which is just outside of Fort Dodge, about an hour, hour and 15 minutes north of Des Moines. And so um, played high school ball there. And that's kind of honestly where, where I fell in love with it. Had uh, fortunate to have a really nice team that I was a part of. Um, not that I contributed a ton to, but I was a part of a, a really nice team. We had some great players um, and were able to play in the state tournament. I bring that up because I was fortunate last year um, at ADM, we ended up playing in the gym that I grew up playing in, which is kind of an old historic gym. Uh Um, In my uh, opinion, at least it's got just low bleachers on the sides. And then it has two balconies on both sides. It's Jeff Jefferson gymnasium in Webster city. Um, It's a fantastic gym. And one of my best friends who was a teammate growing uh, up, we graduated together. He's the head coach at Webster city and we met each other um, in the postseason, and just got to have a really fun game going up there and playing against him was a was a really cool opportunity. Unfortunately, um, we, we did not come out on the the right end of that particular game, but it, it was cool to to be able to go back there, um, kind of the place where I fell in love with the game of basketball and see a lot of the same people, and, and it was it was just a, it was an awesome experience. Um, and so then after that. Uh, went to college, uh, was involved with, with sports. I worked in the sports information department at Iowa State. So I kept sports a big part of my life, but not playing, um, not even coaching at that point. And it wasn't until I graduated and was working down in Des Moines, I, I made the decision to kind of try to get back into um, or to get into coaching and decided to go back to school. Um, and I reached out to a, co- a number of coaches down here, but the one that uh, got back to me is Brad Bjorken, who's the he was the head coach at Urbandale at the time, okay. and he's now at Simpson. And, and if you know, he's had a, a great coaching career, and so I'm very very fortunate that he actually responded to me and got me a a job or a, a volunteer position with his freshman team. And so I, I coached with the freshmen at Urbandale for three years while I was going back to get my degree in education. Mm-hmm. And then um, once I got my degree, I was actually student teaching at Waukee, um, thanks to some of the connections uh, that I'd met through Coach Bjorken at Urbandale. There was a, a friend of a friend. They they contacted um, some teachers at Waukee, and I was able to do my st- student teaching there right before they had a couple positions open in social studies. And so I was able to get a job there, and then I joined Coach Ohl's staff 
um, for my first year at Waukee as a, as a volunteer on the, the varsity team. My second year then, I uh, took over the freshman team for a year. And then he, Coach Ole, had an opening my third year to be back with the varsity team. And so I bumped up and, and was his assistant for um, the next, I believe it was eight years. Uh-huh. Um, and that kind of led us through the, the as Waukee continued to grow, they split. Yep. Um, and with that split, um, the ADEL, ADM job opened up. And I was fortunate enough, I... I um, applied for that and then went through the interview process and and I'm really happy and fortunate that I was able to get that job. So um, have been there three years now mm-hmm. and had uh, we're starting to I, I think kind of build the culture that I was hoping to and and we have a ton of guys that have put in a ton of work and we're we're having a pretty nice year so far. Good, good. You uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about your walkie days and I, I'm always yeah. interested to hear about this or or pick people's brains with this especially as a head coach uh when when you filled out your sheet for the for the pod you you said that you were essentially the the uh, or I, I i read somewhere while i was getting ready for this you were kind of the offensive coordinator at waukee yeah. um you know what you know how did that work you know how how uh, how were you able to uh whose idea was it uh, what were the parameters? How did it all work? I mean, just, you know, obviously it's really common in football because yep. football is such a massive, uh, you, you have so many people to deal with. It's it's almost impossible for the head coach to to have that job, uh, yeah. uh, whether any, any sort of coordinator job. But in, in basketball, it's a little bit different. So so tell us a little bit about it and, and, and what happened and, like I said, how you guys made it work. Yeah, and so, uh, again, I working for Coach Ole, he had come from kind of the college ranks, and I don't know, he had been at Drake, played at Drake, coached at Drake. Um, I don't know if this was something that he had, had taken from there, but this was kind of how he ran his, his program is he allowed me to really focus on offense. And so, you know, when we're scouting what's going to work against uh, another team's defense, uh, the implementation of new sets, new offenses, new concepts, um, and then he had a, we had another assistant that really focused on the defensive side of things. Um, and then obviously coach Ole would oversee everything. Uh, and I, again, I'm really fortunate that he gave me a ton of freedom in terms of, Hey, if there was any new ideas that I had that we wanted to at least try and see how they worked, he, he gave me the green light on all of that. Now there were some things that, you know, he has oversight and he's like, nah, I, I just don't really like how that looks or, or what that's going to look like with our personnel. And that was fine. Um, and then he would also bring, you know, ideas to me. Hey, this is something I think might be um, successful with the guys we have. How would you look at, you know, getting us into this, flowing into this offense or some of these concepts uh, seamlessly? And so we had a, a great uh, working relationship, him and I, and he gave me a ton of great ideas. But then that is kind of how then I've structured my team right now is I have one of my assistants is in charge of anytime we do breakdowns, um, we're going to work on offensive stuff. He takes the, the the guys and will implement new um, sets, new plays, baseline out of bounds, whatever the case may be. And then anytime we do defensive drills, whether it's shell or how we're going to you know defend another team in terms of some of our scouting stuff, my defensive coach then takes that and he really um, it kind of fine tunes everything. I think the nice thing from a, a coaching perspective mm-hmm. is that it gives the kids, they know where to go when they have a, a question, they know that this coach is deals with all the offense. And so if they have a question about a set, Hey, I need something drawn up. They know to go to that coach. If they have questions on, Hey, what's our ball screen coverage? What, you know, whatever the case may be defensively, 
they know to go to this coach and it really helps create one consistent message as opposed to them bouncing around from coach to coach getting different things and so uh again it, it worked out really well while i was at Waukee. you know we obviously had a ton of really talented players um which helped but uh, i think our offense uh, ran pretty uh, was pretty consistent as well as things on the defensive side and i think part of that just the structure helped with that so on game night who's making the calls so uh, on game night, then, yeah, it'll be the offensive coach or the defensive coach. And okay. so same thing, like, uh, you know, when I was at Waukee, we went through, uh, you know, over the eight years, we, we tried it all. We went from, I would print off pictures, almost like a football <laughs> that had pictures of all the different sets we have. And, and, you know, a lot of people gave us a hard time because we had a lot of them. <laughs> and so while we were on defense, I would kind of, okay, what do we want to run? What do we, what are we trying to do this next possession? If we are into a, a half court situation and I'd be flipping through this, this portfolio of all these different pictures. And then I'd hold one up. Um, we kind of went away from that. Um, just probably because it was easier for me to just try to yell and, and get guys attention that way. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, any, any time out, coach would come to me hey what do you like offensively he'd go to the coach what do you like us in defensively is there anything um that we need to change and so I, i've really tried to do that uh with my assistants as well you know it's always tough on a 30 second but on a on a full time out you really have the freedom okay coach call something uh, for the offense you yeah. know then uh, yeah. our coach defensively do you want us are we staying man do you want to try something different for one possession ball screen coverage whatever the case may be and so um, it gives them ownership too. And I think one of the things our, our guys after the last two years uh, of me as the head coach, that was one thing I didn't do a great job of was allowing those guys and the assistants to have their voice heard. And that was one thing I heard from a lot of the players. And so I've tried to really be better about that. Um, so they do realize that, Hey, there, there's a ton of people working together to make sure these guys are successful. Yeah. Uh, were there ever any times where, uh, when you were an assistant or now that you're a head coach, are, are you, you know, there's 30 seconds left. It's, it's, it's tied uh, your ball. Uh, you know, you, you've got the clipboard as the OC or you give the clipboard to the OC and you say, okay, you're, you're in charge all the way through and through here. Or is there ever a time where you kind of uh, reserve the right uh, to, to step in and okay, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. And that's, Again, and that was consistent at Waukee and here and now at ADM is yeah. Anytime if I suggested something as kind of the offensive coordinator and coach didn't like it, he he had veto power and so mm-hmm. he would always ask for a suggestion. Um, and if he didn't like it, he had the clipboard. He would he would go a different direction, and gotcha. I knew that hey that that's his his call. And so we've kind of done the same thing here. Um, again, I'm trying to give my offensive uh, coach more freedom and he, he will call the plays and uh, we're really fortunate. It's the same stuff that he ran in college. So um, Trent Hillbrands is kind of runs our offense and he played at Northwestern for coach Corver. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, I mean, he was a, a great player and really knows the ins and outs of this particular offense that we've kind of been installing. And so he does a great job and really sees what defenses are doing and knows how to counter those. And so I have a ton of confidence in what he's doing. And so I give him a a ton of freedom, but yeah, late game situations, you know, drawing up a play out of a timeout, I'll either ask them for suggestions or a lot of times if it's quick, I'll have one or two kind of go to plays that uh, I can draw up quick for the guys. Gotcha. How do you uh, how do you establish the the trust that's necessary to make this type of system work? 
Uh, you know, Trent was on our staff last year, um, and he was a volunteer. And just seeing, you know, his, his growth in this just this year because he had just graduated and had played and had a great playing career. And then seeing how he has grown over the course of the last year has given me a ton of confidence in him. Um, but then the other thing is I, I tried to incorporate a lot more in practice. Like, hey, coach, you know, coach Hillbrands takes one team. Coach Francis takes another team. Um, and we're going to simulate the end of a game and see what they draw up, see how they handle substitutions or how they're handling the guys. Um, and then this summer I gave, you know, during our summer kind of, we went to team camps and so forth. I really took a hands-off approach and I let, and coach Francis wasn't who Riley Francis is kind of our defensive coach. Um, he wasn't with us yet. Um, he, we hired him this fall. Um, but I let Coach Hillbrand's coach in mm-hmm. most of the, the games, or we would alternate. He would coach a game, and then I would coach a game, not only to give him the, those experiences, but then also for our guys to hear his voice and, and to see how they respond to him. And it, that was honestly one of the, the best things I think I could have done because it allowed me, it did, it built that trust because I could see that like he understands situationally what we're trying to do and, and what the guys need. And I think that was also then good for the players to to have a different voice as opposed to me always kind of being the one that yells at them. Yeah. You know, you were a, you were a longtime head coach or assistant coach, excuse me, uh, Trevor. Yeah. And uh, obviously you were preparing uh, to become a head coach. One of the things that I like to ask uh, coaches who have just recently made that transition uh, you know, what were your preparations? How did you, how did you put yourself in that situation? Um, you know, just, just how did you prepare for that, uh, hopeful inevitability that you would be a head coach someday? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, and I think you, you could probably attest to this. I don't think you can ever be ready. I, I was not. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, that's very true statement. It's a very true statement. Yep. You know, and the nice thing about being an assistant was you really focused on basketball. You, you got to come to practice every day. You got to coach basketball. You got to go to the games. You got to coach basketball. Um, I was not prepared for all the administrative stuff that goes along with coaching. Um, and maybe I took Coach Ol for granted and all that stuff that he did outside of the the, the practice time. Um, so that that was a, a huge kind of a, a shock to the system when you're like, okay, now I got to do transportation. I got to get rosters here. I got to get stats and, you know, all of these different things. And so that was uh, kind of a shock. And one thing that I have started to try to delegate to some assistants more um, in terms of some of those administrative duties, not only to kind of take a little bit off my plate, but I, I do think these guys ha- have aspirations of being a head coach themselves. And so having some of those duties uh, as well, will will hopefully ease that transition for them when the time comes for them to be a head coach at, at some point. Um, but no, again, Coach Ol gave uh, myself and other assistants a, a ton of freedom and a ton of responsibilities, and and that's really what I wanted. I I remember when I when I took when I was the head freshman coach, and he asked me to come be a part of the varsity. My first question to him was like, "Am I going to have a large role? I don't want to just be." someone who's there i want to have the freedom to to coach the guys and he ensured that that would be the case and and that was from the day i was there you know he gave me a ton of freedom with the offense with scouting with all that stuff he split the games up and so you know every coach basically had every third game and so when it was our scout we took the team we walked him through the scout and you know when we were putting stuff offensively in he said okay you take the guys he would take another group and we would kind of do some station work and so he gave me a ton of opportunities to to be ready for 
the opportunity to have a, a team on my own, and I, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. What'd you learn about going through the interview process? You know, it. I, I went through a, a couple different interview processes before I landed the, the ADM job. And again, it's anyone who's going through the process, I, I think knows basketball enough and maybe I was naive you know going into my first interview I thought they were going to ask more like hey what would you do in this situation name a time when you've handled and it's and maybe that was from the teaching side of things it's like tell me a time in in the classroom that you experienced this and what I kind of realized is that process is they want to know how are you going to relate to kids how are you going to build a positive culture Uh Um, and that and I get. I, I knew that would be a part of it, but how much that is really emphasized? Because again, you're you're working with fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year old kids. Like someone's putting a lot of trust into you within a school district to like, okay, is this the right person that we want leading kids? Um, and then the basketball side of things will will take care of itself. Typically, yeah. What uh, you know, we're it's it's. Uh... Mid-January ish, yep. yeah, you know, I guess it is mid-January yeah. now. Uh, we've been snowed in for so long, I've kind of lost track of <laughs> the yeah. dates and everything. Uh, we're we're going to be here in the next uh, month and a half to two months. Uh, jobs are going to start to open up. Uh, people are going to start interviewing. As somebody who has been fairly recent off of that process, uh, what advice do you have for? coaches that might be, you know, looking at that, uh, especially first time coaches that have not been a head coach, maybe haven't had a lot of interviewing experience or whatever it may be. Uh, what advice would, you know, other than anything that you've said so far, what, what are some things that you would tell coaches now, uh, as they go through it? Cause I know when I moved jobs, you know, one of the things that I felt like I struggled with, I hadn't interviewed for almost two decades. And so yeah. I felt like I was just terrible it, it took me four or five interviews before i felt like i was even average at the interview process again so mm-hmm. uh you know what do you got us what do you got for us there trevor yeah i would you know i would probably tell any new coach like the idea that less is more like have a really firm belief in what your philosophy is and and stick to it be you know no most of them have come from a position where they've been an assistant and they, or at a different school, they know what has worked really well for them and, and kind of use those as non-negotiables. Like, Hey, this is, this is what I firmly believe. And if the school district or, you know, wherever you're applying, if that aligns with what they want, you'll get the job. And if you don't get that particular job, then 
that's probably not where you are meant to be in the sense that if that's not what they're looking for from a coach, if you come in and, and try to push that on the community, on the athletes, then it, it may not be a, a perfect fit. And so, you know, have have a general idea, you know, of exactly what you want your program to look like. And you'll find whether it's the first time you interview or the, the fourth or fifth time, hopefully you'll find that an opportunity then that it will, it will blend with the school district and with your AD and with the other coaches that, you'll have a, a really good opportunity at some point down the road um, to implement a, a program kind of how you want it. Well, guy, you walked right into that one, Trevor. That's great work, buddy. Great work. I tried. Great work. Every, every once in a while, I get something right. Every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a nut, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so speaking of creating an opportunity and creating the program that you want to build, look at that there, guy. Yeah. Mike, Mike Greenberg could not be more excited right now. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's year three for you, uh, year two, uh, year one and year two hovered around 500, just, you know, right in that area. Uh, but right now, uh, sans, uh, Arctic blasts, uh, you're off to about, it was, is it 10 and one you guys are right now? Uh, we're, we're nine and one right now that we're in the, we're in the same boat as you last week. We Monday's game got pushed back to Thursday and then that got canceled and Friday's game got canceled. So yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've been out on the floor. So yeah. Well, the good thing is everybody's in the same boat here. If if you're, if you're, uh, if you're worried about it as coaches, try not to. One of the things that I've figured out is, Hey, if, if we're not practicing, uh, that probably means our opponents are not practicing as well. So, so, you know, don't, don't spin your wheels on stuff you can't control, but, um, you know, so year three and and a lot of people really point at year three, that's the year you really want to see a a jump per se, especially if you're, if you're rebuilding a program, uh, you guys have been able to do that this year. Uh, what are some things uh, that you feel like you've you've implemented that you've built upon uh, the the building uh, the the bricks of the foundation, if you will, that has allowed for year three to kind of take off a little bit. And and obviously you got to have good players. I mean that's that's the number one thing. Uh, yep. There's there's no great coaches without uh, great players. Uh, but you know, other than the fact that you know you, you probably have some some better players. What are some things that you feel like you and your staff have done to kind of get it to the point where it's starting to take off a little bit? Yeah, and and again, I would really echo that. Is it it does it takes great players. You know, when I took the job, we were very very young and had a team that had just graduated twelve seniors, and so I had a lot of sophomores, and so now we're seeing some of those kids up at the varsity level, and they've been in the system for three years, and they're just more mature players. And that is maybe regardless of anything I've done. And so, like you said, I mean, it, it takes good players. And um, but you know, the the biggest thing, and you know, and this is maybe advice I would give to a new coach as well, because I was really stuck with this my first two years, and I had to kind of release some of that. I was fortunate enough to come from a program that we had had quite a bit of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the team that I inherited was not a, a program that was failing. It was, um, you know, the coach had been there for a long time and took other opportunities and, and left the program in a really good spot. Um, and so in my mind, I wanted to come in and, and see that immediate gratification of, okay, we're going to win games. 
And I think my mentality as the coach, especially in those first two years, was, okay, success is going to be measured by winning games. And yep. I, I focused so much on the end outcome. And then it, it led to stress and it led to, you know, conflict when we didn't win. I really had a tough time seeing the marginal gains that we were constantly making each and every day. Um, and so that has been something I, I really have kind of taken a step back this past summer, looked at, you know, areas that I needed to improve as a coach um, in terms of, you know, just how I'm handling uh, certain situations, how I'm in game coaching, how I'm dealing with um, the guys building that culture. Um, because this is, you know, I came from a 4A school, which we predominantly had basketball players. Yeah. And a lot of them. A lot of specialization. Do, yeah, there, there was more specialization. I came into a school that is known for football. And a lot of these guys love basketball, but they're playing it from November to March. And, and that took a real change in my mindset. You know, like you have to coach someone different who is, hey, I'm a, a basketball first kid and I have dreams of going to play basketball at the next level as opposed to a kid that's like, I'm one of the best basketball players in the school. I do it because it's really fun. This is, you know, and so you have to kind of figure out the people that are in your organization and, and the kids that you're working with and what their end goal and what they want out of their experience. Um, and I, and I, I'm trying to do a better job of that. I don't know if that's led to, to some of the wins um, this year in terms of me being more relaxed and giving them more freedom to, to just enjoy this um, process that we're on, as opposed to constantly focusing on the outcome and Hey, we have, you know, if we win this game, this happens, or, you know, whatever the case may be, we've really focused on just trying to take it one practice and, and really looking at one game at a time and just having that one and all mentality, which I know is, is a huge cliche, but um, I think, it, I think it, it has been really good for our guys just to, you know, we've implemented little things like hey, on, on away games, as soon as we get off the bus, phones have to be away. Like just enjoy being around, your teammates because the, it goes by really quick like you said we're already you know halfway through the season it goes by quick and for some of you like if you don't go on and play like you'll never have these experiences again yeah no i i think i think a lot of coaches struggle with that i know i did trevor and yeah. and i i had to uh really shift my thinking and, and i think that when I when I took over my new job, they they had struggled, and and so we were not going to win a lot of games on the scoreboard. We had to find wins within it, and we had to uh, build things brick by brick by brick. And yep. so uh, we just really and and I and I thought before that 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 I had done that. I, I thought that I had uh, focused on. Hey, let's just get one percent better every day. Let's mm-hmm. uh, let's win one possession at a time. Let you know the, the saving process and yeah. all of that fun stuff. Uh, but looking back on it, I probably did not do a good as good a job of that. Um, and so when I took the couple of years off, it was it was really good for me to to come in and just come in in that way, come in in that vein, and. Yeah. Uh, we we very rarely talk about winning and losing. We talk about playing up to the standard, about playing the game the right way, get 1% better today, dominate every drill. If my players were listening to this right now, they'd be throwing up a little bit because they're like, yes, coach, we know, we know, we know. Uh, but I, I think, you know, when you 
you can you can play well and lose. I, I think the the ultimate growth as a coach is if you play well and lose, you're okay with it. And if you play poorly and win, you're not okay with it. I think once you have reached that point in your coaching mentality, then I think you're at the place where you can truly have sustained success because you're truly not worried about the winning and the losing. You're worried about playing up to the standard and playing the game the right way. And that's that's your number one concern. And the winning and the losing is not the number one thing that's going to measure your happiness with your team and, and the performance of your team. Yeah, and that's it, it, that it, it's it's so true. And like you said, and as as a new coach, I, I didn't understand that. I'm starting to get there, and I saw. And I honestly, off the top of my head, I can't remember who it was, but I just saw it on you know just a, a short snippet of Twitter, or whatever. Maybe Billy Donovan said, you know, we're, we're trying to get perfection in an imperfect game, and yeah. that has been like, hey, like kids are going to make mistakes. Yep. And I, he was talking about like you can't let it snowball. And same thing, like if you play really well and you lose like that's okay like we played up to our standard and it just didn't go our way on that particular night doesn't mean it won't the next day but like yeah if you can get to the point where where you're finding those positives i think it it goes a long ways yeah Um, well we we had a game earlier this year um where we played and and i thought you know on offense we played great we had 67 points in regulation uh the the problem was we gave up 70 (laughs) and but you know, I, I told my kids, hey, we played really hard. We played really well. Now, I didn't like that a big chunk of their 70 points, we we did not defend the ball well. We gave up yeah. far too much dribble penetration. That is not acceptable. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they also went 8 for 13 from the three-point line. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> some nights you go... You, you can stand there wide open with nobody in the gym and not go eight for 13, let alone yeah. in the middle of a game. And, and so, uh, you know, we were, we were okay with that. We played really hard. We gave good effort. We did, it, it was early in the season. We, we were not as, as smart as we could have been. Uh, I accepted my part of it. Hey, we haven't worked on closeouts enough. We've got to work more on defense. We've been emphasizing ball skills so much that we need to work more. We, we are working on defense and practice, but we need to work more on it, you know, so forth and so on. But, but for me, that was a big, you know, growth point, I think, for our kids to understand, okay, coach isn't really worried about the winning and the losing. He's worried about the way that we play. And yeah. and it's okay to lose if the other team does stuff that is out of character. Or, hey, we followed the scouting report. You told us to give up three-point shots. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we didn't tell them to give up three-point shots. We wanted we didn't want that to happen, but we did. But it was better than drives. And, uh, you know, they, you know, I, I think you have to have sometimes, Trevor. Don't you think you have to have some failures along the way to have your kids understand the standard and have you be able to explain? Okay, look, we failed, but that's okay. Or we succeeded, but fellas or gals, look at this. We just did not do this and this and this. And yeah, we won the scoreboard, but did we really win the game the way that we wanted to? And I think that's those those are teaching points that coaches need to have along the way, especially as younger head coaches. Yeah, absolutely, and it's so. And again, it's same. It's human nature. It's hard to take the emotion out of the game, you know. Like you said, oh, you win. They're so happy, and it's hard for them to be like to take some of that coaching because they're like, well, coach, we still won. Yeah, 
and you're like, okay, but yes, we won in December and in early January, but if that problem still exists in February or March, like that could be the difference between your season being over. And then on the flip side, like they're, they're just devastated by a loss and, you know, it's a close game. Like you said, 70 to 67, it's hard for them to like, Oh yeah. Like you said, eight for 13 from three is, that's an outlier. That's not yeah. always going to happen. We play this team again right now. They may not shoot that same way, but it's it's hard for anyone, you know, especially young kids, to to have that mentality. And it, as you were talking about it, it it kind of it brought up a scenario from this summer. And if my player is listening, he would know exactly. Uh, he would probably remember this. But we we played a, a game uh, this summer, and we were up two with forty five seconds left. We're playing in a summer with no shot clock. Well, Iowa has now implemented a shot clock. Mm-hmm. And I told I told our guys, I was like, we are not going to hold for one. And they're like, coach, we want to win. And I was like, and I, but I was trying to give them ownership and I did. And I let, and they held for one shot for 45 seconds and we won. And it was just one of those deals. I'm like, I want to win too, but you have to understand this is not realistic to what's going to happen during the regular season. We have to be able to execute for 30 seconds and then be able to get a stop at the other end if we don't score. Um, but again, they, you know, even in the summer, the human nature is the kids just, they just wanted to win. Yeah. Yeah. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at apenandanapkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, apenandanapkin.com. Be sure to check out the Apenandanapkin video library. Coach, let's let's move on here. Let's let's talk a little John Wooden here. How does that sound? Sounds good. Okay. Uh, we are at, uh, it is time for our John Wooden quote of the day. Uh, Wooden's uh, lifetime of observations. We take a quote every week from that, and I'm going to read it out to you here. And uh, you know, tell me what you think of it. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So from Wooden, a lifetime of observations, page 18. Here's the quote. Love means many things. It means giving. It means sharing. It means forgiving. It means understanding. It means being patient. It means learning. And you must always consider the other side, the other person. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. That, like, it's, it's, I don't know why you chose that particular quote today, but that is one thing that our, our AD um, at ADM has, has constantly stressed. We have head coaches meetings. That is probably the one thing he has said over and over to all of our coaches. He says, you can coach kids as hard as you want, as long as they know that you love them. Yeah. And and it's so true. Like, you know, and it was, that is, it's it's difficult for me as a teacher who's not in the building to see these guys every single day. 
um, to, to constantly build that relationship to where they know that I, I love them and I care for them and it w- would do anything for them. But it is something that is so important for, for any coach. Like, you know, everyone always says like kids, kids will do anything for you. If, if they'll run through a brick wall, if they know that you have their back and that you care for them. And so that is something I, I've tried to be better about, like just finding little opportunities to have a conversation. Hey, how'd this go? Hey, you know, how'd your test go? Whatever the case may be to, to personalize their experience in basketball and know that they have me and they have other coaches that, that truly care about them as a person, as opposed to just them being a piece to a successful basketball season. Yeah. Um, So that's a, that's a, it's a great quote. It's something that applies to basketball, to every other sport, to teaching, to other professions, to relationships as a, as a parent, whatever the case may be, like, you know, people have to know that you care about them and then they'll, they'll go to great lengths for you. I I tell my kids all the time, never forget how much I love you guys. Never forget that. You know, uh, you know, it's, it is a, you know, it is, if I truly believe that in today's day and age, you have to have, I don't want to say you have to, it is difficult to win consistently or at a high level without that care, that bond, those mm-hmm. relationships. And, you know, like your AD said, and I love what your AD said there, uh, your, your, your kids have to know that they have to feel that. Uh, because there are times where you have to get on them. Uh, yeah. y- you know, I'm pretty fortunate in my three and a half years, I haven't had to get on my kids really, really hard uh, very often, uh, maybe once a season. Uh, and, and I think that's, if, if you if you only do it once a season, that's really, really good because there usually yeah. comes a time where you got to get on your kids about playing hard or concentrating or anything like that. Uh, yeah. So I, but they know that, Okay, if coach if Coach Plum has gotten to that point, uh, we've really done something not good here. Yeah, and they know that we we express ourselves feel freely in that vein, and that uh, it, it's it's just so it's just so important to to have those kids know. Look, I'm I'm I I tell them all the time. If I didn't care about you then I wouldn't get on you when I need to get on you. It is yeah. actually when I'm getting after you about your effort or about your concentration or whatever the, the it may be, uh, you know, it's it's because it's out of a place of, hey, I care enough about you that I know you can do better than what you're doing right now. And and, and by and the reason the, the thing that's holding you back right now is your own efforts, your own concentration. It has nothing yeah. to do with your opponent or anything like that. And so I'm going to push you to the level that I know that you can reach. And for every kid that's different. I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna hold the 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 kid coming off the bench for the J V at the same level as I am the the all conference player when it comes to their performance, but yeah. for their effort, for their attitude, those type of things, everybody's held to the same same standard, but they know and they know that I love them enough that when they don't reach that standard Hey, I I'm gonna let you know that I know you can do better. Yeah, and and it's the same. Then you know, and you see a lot of it on well, social media, whatever. But like, it, the kids know, like, hey, if I don't care about you in that sense, if I start to let that effort slide, that's when you should probably be concerned. But like, me showing and holding you accountable 
is trying to create the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is so important. And one thing, you know, and this is was one of the, the coolest things that, that Coach Old did and I brought over, and this is something that um, he started to do, you know, not the first couple of years, but he, he picked it up along somewhere. Um, just to, as our team is stretching every day, we do a little just daily check-in with the guys. Uh-huh. Um, and they just give you a one, two, or a three. Like one is, hey, I'm not having a great day. Like, and you, and we always tell them no questions asked. Okay, but we know. Okay, today we got to give you a little bit of grace because something wasn't great. Just sometimes it's again human nature. We have we have days. Uh-huh. Um, two is we like, all do. I, it was, yeah, it was an okay day, and then three is like, hey, I'm ready to go. This can be a great practice. Um, and he, we do that with all of our players, with our managers, with our coaches, and, and so that that way that gives us an understanding. Like, okay. Got to give a little bit of grace to so and so today if they happen to need it. Now that also then if okay if someone is a one, two three days in a row then okay that needs to create a conversation where okay what's going on how can we help you um, how can we help you because it's usually not related to basketball it's relationships it's stuff with family it's whatever the case may be and so um, I think that has led to some really good um, relationship building opportunities for players and, and coaches as well um, but then also just knows it helps the players and the people in your organization know that you care about them outside of what's happening on the basketball floor. Absolutely. I love that. I love that daily check-in thing. Uh, that is, that's, and, and it's, it, it's, it's, uh, brilliance is in its simplicity, Trevor. I, yeah. I, I, I really like that. Do you do that or does an assistant coach do that? Uh, so I, I do that. Okay. Okay. Yep. And then I will, again, then I will, let the assistants know because I'll check in with them as well. But I'll say, hey, so and so having a rough day. There were a one. Just a just a heads up. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, everyone's on the same page. And again, it's not. I, I don't ask questions. It, it's not. I'm not intending to pry. Sometimes people like like I said, some people just have a, a bad day and they just yeah. need to <laughs> need to process it on their own and they don't need to talk about it. And I'll, I always tell them, you know, hey, if you need to talk to me or some of the coaches, like you know, we're here. Yeah. Um, great stuff. Great stuff. I, I, I really like that. My, my head is now, I, I'm sorry, I'm hesitating here, but now my head's spinning no, a little bit here. So uh, I'll, I'll wait for later to worry about that. So I, I'm still snowed <laughs> into my house for another 24, 48 hours. Yeah. So I'll have time to, to think it through. So yep, uh, right. let's, let, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about statistics. Let's talk about statistical mm-hmm. analysis. I wanted to jump in with that. You said you'd be willing to talk about it. Uh, yeah. A lot of times as, High school coaches, you know, college coaches could break down all these things. You know, uh, Johnson from from Tech uh, shoots forty two percent from this spot, but they shoot fifty two percent from this zone. So we need to keep them away from this. You know, things yeah. like that. That's that's a lot harder for us to do. A lot harder for us to convey and implement uh, those type of things. But uh, what are what are some of the things that you look at from a statistical point of view, Trevor? Uh, to analyze, to uh, go through, and 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 just let us, you know, you know, build some things up there with your team, so that uh, yeah, there's the eye test, but we've also got some some data to back it up one way or another. So tell us a little bit about that, coach. Yeah, so you know, and we don't obviously we don't have like you said the, the ability to to go into a deep dive statistical on our opponents in terms of their shooting percentage and from where they shoot now. A huddle provides some feedback if you use a huddle assist. And so we would have some feedback in the next game as a, in terms of what happened the first game, where they shot from different spots on the floor. 
Um, the, the majority of our statistical analysis that we do is all based on um, our personnel and what we have uh, outlined as our goals for each game. Um, you know, and so we have four goals per game that we really try uh, to reach. And this was not something I had my first two years. And this summer I, I did kind of that deep dive and looked back at the games that we were successful. What did we do at a high level? Where, what were areas that we really struggled? Um, and we kind of outlined then, and we had goals for a game like last year was take care of the ball, but we didn't have a number aligned with it. And so our goals each game are to have basically a four to three assist to turnover ratio. Um, and so we, our goal is 14 or excuse me, 16 assists each game and fewer than 12 turnovers. And that was just based on some of what I had gone back, obviously, you know, and those are very simplistic. It's easy. It's, I mean, if you turn the ball over fewer times than you're assisting, you're going to put yourself in a good chance, a good position to win. Um, but to have a specific number, the one thing I think it's allowed us to do is during timeouts, mm. I have a coach keeping track of it. Coach, how many assists do we have? Hey, we only have two right now. Like, folks, we have to start sharing the ball. We got to make that one more. You, you got to get a piece of the paint, draw help, drop it off, like whatever that looks like for us in that particular instance. Or, hey, we're midway through the second quarter and we're already at eight turnovers. Like, you guys have to clean up how we're taking care of the basketball. Um, so it, it's really allowed us um, to, to hone in on our message with our guys um, each time out, each quarter break, at halftime, whatever the case may be. Um, so our, I should just outline our four goals then each game, uh, 16 assists, 12 turnovers. We initially kind of what I looked at from the last two years um, to be a top 10 defensive team in the state for 3A, which is our class, you would have need to uh, hold teams under 52 points. And so that was one of our goals was to hold teams under 52. And then the last one um, is – uh, to be positive four on offensive rebounds. So if they have six, we, we want to at least have 10. Mm -hmm. Now we've looking at those four um, stats from the last um, two years. If we accomplished just two of those four goals, we would have had a, a record of 16 and six, which that then over two years is 22 games, which is the length of one year, 16 and six would be a really successful season. Sure. Um, if we met three of the goals, we we were nine and two, and so we we use that as we scout and say, okay, realistically, we know we're not going to usually make all four goals. Yep. Now the fifty-two points, we have changed that because we wanted to play really fast this year, and so we've changed that to okay, can we get six kills, three stops in a row, six kills each game? Again, if you can string together three stops at a time, that over the course of the game, there's if you reach that goal, that's 18 possessions where they don't score. Um, gives you gives you some freedom, and so that's what we have kind of used. So 16 assists, less than 12 turnovers, six kills each game, and plus four offensive rebounds. Um, and so then it, it simplifies what we do in practice. It simplifies, you know, hey, we're going to do an offensive rebounding drill. Going into a scout, we're like, hey, this team really rebounds at a high rate. I don't know if we'll be able to get plus four offensive rebounds. Let's try to match them there. And really your focus needs to be for this next game. We have to take care of the ball and keep our turnovers at a minimum in order for us to reach some of those goals. Cause understanding that, Hey, this team's strength is their rebounding. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's been pretty, pretty effective for us. I think it's just, you know, it, it helps us communicate with the guys at halftime. 
we always give them um, as the coaches talk out in the hallway, we give them a, a pen and they go in and they talk two positives and two negatives um, in terms of that first half. And a lot of times what we'll see is if there's a correlation, they understand like, okay, we've turned the ball over way too much in that first half for us to meet our goal. So that needs to be a focus in the second half. And um, so I, I think that has been kind of my statistical analysis. It's never necessarily individual players trying yep. to get them to certain spots or getting a defender or as a defender trying to get certain guys out of spots. It's more about, you know, what are the things that we need to see from our guys to be successful? Um, you know, and so I, I had it pulled up this year, um, obviously 10 games, so kind of a small sample size, but we've had, you know, in our two games, uh, our first two games of the year, we did not meet either one of those goals um, or any of those four goals. And that's the only two times. And so it's easy to the first game of the year we lost and the second game we were fortunate enough to win, but by two in overtime. And so we tell our guys like th- this is not a, a complex system, but it it gives you the best chance to be successful. And so that's kind of what we do with our, our statistics in terms of our, our program. We kind of have the same thing, Trevor. Uh, we have three three defensive and three offensive, yep. um, and it, it, those are those are steady every game. Uh, forty five points or less. That's kind of mm-hmm. what we figured. If we score forty five, if we if we hold them to forty five or less, we've got a great chance to win. Uh, yeah. we, uh, you're talking about rebounding. We want to get fifty three percent of all rebounds. Again, okay. not not as a certain number per se, but a percentage of it. Yeah. Um, we want to foul 16 or less times a game. Uh, and for us, being a pressure-attacking team, uh, we just can't go out there hacking people. And, and one thing we've figured out at this point of the season is, hey, when we keep teams off of the free-throw line, we're really, really hard to beat. The games yeah. that we have struggled, we've given up. Uh, we, we haven't moved our feet. We've, we've been reaching. We've been doing this and that. And therefore, uh, we've given teams free points from the free-throw line. Uh, and and all the gains that we're making off of free throws or off of turnovers, we're giving it right back and then some and fouling and, and, and plus they're resting. They get to rest at at free throws too. So, um, so we've done that. Uh, and then on offense, 15 or less turnovers, we want to make more free throws than our opponent will attempt. And we want to shoot 40% or better. And, you know, if if you're shooting 40% or better, you're probably taking some really, really good shots. Uh, very rarely are you going to shoot 40% or better and take bad shots. So those are our six statistical analysis. And, and again, it helps us to say, hey, girls, we, we didn't feel good uh, coming out of this game. Well, let's take a look at our report card. Hey, we only got one out of these six or zero out of these six. Well, yeah. the proof is kind of in the pudding here. Hey, we felt, yeah. we felt pretty good leaving that game. Let's take a look. Well, we got we got four out of the six. Well, there there's a correlation there you know and and so those are you know kind of similar to what you're doing is it's that's what that's what we do as well we just kind of you know same same concept just shifted it in a little bit different direction so then do you debrief then with your team the following day before practice um we Once try- you've had an opportunity or do you you track all that stuff during games so you can kind of give them live feedback um we do it a couple of different ways. We, uh, what we've done this year, and I've talked about it on the pod before here, um, we do a report card after yep. every game. So okay. it's, in, it's in three sections. Uh, first section is just my overall thoughts, just my 
thirty thousand foot view. Here's what I'm yeah. here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I again very team oriented. Very rarely do we put an individual name on there unless it's something like, "Hey, Mary, you took that charge in the third quarter. Awesome, you know, or, yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, something like that." Um, another one of my assistants does our shot quality uh, okay. chart, and she goes through and she just uh, charts the shots from the game. Um, and we do the Don Meyer four three two one zero fours are layups or free throws wide open layups or free throws threes are wide open jump shots twos are challenge jump shots ones are bad shots zeros are turnovers and she does the math with that um, and, and that that gives us a great correlation as well like we had a game a couple of weeks ago uh, first half we played very very poorly and when we got the data back after the game well. We were at this number both in the first quarter and the second quarter, which is well below where we want to be at. Well, that's that's yeah. why coaching staff was not happy, you know. Yeah. And it, it's just simple math. We had two, uh, we had two of our four. Uh, it was two of our f- worst quarters of the season. Like it was mm. our second worst quarter, and it was our fourth worst quarter of the entire season. And this was game twelve back back, or something yeah. like that. So it's like okay, yeah. we, we've got enough data to say. This was really bad for us. Yeah. Um, and then you take a look at the, the other side, and their numbers were really good, and, you know, that type of thing. Uh, so we do that, and then another assistant goes through, does the stats for the stuff that I listed there, and then um, we have four game-specific goals as well. Okay. So, so we have 10 altogether, but okay. the, la- the last four deal with our scouting report. Um, gotcha. We can't let, you know, Michelson from ADM, get any catch-and-shoot threes. Move him off the line all night long. Uh, Which was never the scouting report. <laughs> was, leave that guy. He won't, he won't win the game for him. <laughs> so, um, you know, so hey, it, and then he's, you know, A, B, C, D, F is, is the yep. way he rates that. And yep. anything B- minus or above, we consider that, okay, we got our goal. Anything that's okay. a C plus or below, we didn't get it. And yeah. so we give their total out of 10 at the end of every game. So uh, we use some data. We use some analytics. We use some of the eye test uh, to really evaluate our games. And our kids are really starting to now understand when they get that report card, uh, you know, okay, yeah, we're, we're really starting to see how this all pieces together and, and yeah. what we're doing and, and what we're not doing. Uh, doesn't mean we're perfect, uh, but I think it's really starting to work for us. Yeah. And that's, I guess, and the reason I asked is because I just, last year we did the the shot, we did 10 through zero shot quality. Um, it's, the, the, the toughest part for me was then following up. My, my assistant, he kept it every game and he's like, what are we really doing with this? I was like, well, we're, yeah. we weren't providing enough feedback to the players. So they understood why we were doing it. We, we would talk a little bit amongst ourselves as coaches. And so that's why I've, I, I really tried to simplify like, Hey, this is stuff that we can keep in in, in real time and, and constantly tell the guys. But that was just a. I had a no. tough time finding enough time, and I, I want to watch film on us, but then watch on the opponent and get time on the floor. And it, it's such a tough balancing act. And so I, I kind of went away from the shot quality, but I, I really liked it mm-hmm. while we were were doing it because we sat would watch guys scrimmage. And you're like, okay, well, this team beat this team. Well, their shot quality was way higher it's just a matter of like take great shots and that Mm -hmm. was one of our standards last year but the guys struggled 
hey, that's a shot I can make. Uh-huh. Understand, but if you make the one more pass, that's even a higher quality shot. And yeah. and so we've transitioned. Now our, our our standard is make the right play yeah. as opposed to take great shots just because it's tough to tell kids like a great shot for different players is different. Yeah. Well, and, and we were kind of in that same boat, Trevor, where we would talk about it occasionally, but it wasn't as emphasized. And, and you know, here's kind of the thing that, that you know, it, it only took me 27, 28 years to kind of figure this out. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a basketball <laughs> genius, huh? But, you know, as a teacher, we go through – and what do, you, what do you do again, Trevor? What do you I teach? teach high school history. High school. Okay, hey, history nerds. All right, here yeah. we go. All right. So, so you're teaching about World War II. You're teaching about uh, – Hitler's aggression in Europe. You're talking about Japanese expansion in the Pacific. Uh, you get into uh, the Blitzkrieg. You get into all these. And again, we could history geek out. You go through, <laughs> you, you know, you go through Normandy and D-Day. You go through the Battle of the Bulge, the fall of Germany, the dropping of the atomic bombs, island hopping, all this other stuff. Now you go through all that stuff, and what do you do at the end of all of that? You give them a test, right? Yeah. Okay. So you practice, which is learning about all the stuff. The test is the game, right? But the after a game, how often do you give them a grade? After every test, we give them a grade, right? Yeah. So that's a, Yeah, that's a great analogy. So for me, I was like, well, why aren't we, and again, it only took me 27 years to figure this out, yeah. why aren't we giving our kids something formal after each game. And and sometimes it's it's hard to give it to them right after every game. Like last week before this monstrous snowstorm hit, we had three games in five days. We weren't going to yep. be able to give them a report card after every game and get prepared yeah. for the next game. So we gave them three report cards in one day, and we stapled them together, and we kind of hit a few highlights of, of yep. each game, this, this, this. But here it is. We still gave it to them eventually. Um, and so... For me, I was just like, if we're going to take this data, if I'm going to rewatch every film anyway, why shouldn't I tell the kids kind of what I'm seeing? If we're giving them game day goals, these are things that are important to us. Why aren't we telling them the goals that we're hitting and how it correlates to our performance? If we are talking a lot about shot quality and valuing every possession and limiting good shots for the other team, why are we not sharing that data on a consistent basis with our players in a way that they can digest it and understand it? And and so that's where that kind of all came from. And and so we have really uh, we have really dedicated ourselves to to doing this and to to putting something together that is digestible for our players it's not overwhelming but they understand what we're doing and how we're doing it so yeah um that's that's where it's all coming from yeah well uh, yeah that's a great way to look at it and that's a it's a great system so yeah we're trying we're trying Yeah. yeah coaches you know just as well as i do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs but sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. Um, 
let's wrap up on this, Trevor. Let's uh, sure. let's let's talk a little bit about uh, implementing your system. Uh, like you said, you were um, you were a former uh, quote unquote coordinator, and uh, now yeah. you're in charge here. Uh, what was when you took over? What were you thinking? Uh, how did you implement your your philosophy with your new program? How did you put it all together? Uh, you know, what were the steps? Did you have it kind of planned out? You were going to do this by this, hopefully. Uh, and then usually what happens, at least with me, is I have this and this and this, and then I only get 50% of it done because yeah. my eyes are bigger than the plate, so to speak. So so how did yep. you implement your system there at AT- ADM, and, and, and what's that been like over the last three years? Yeah, I mean, it, it's exactly like you said. Like, I, I walked into it having all of these, you know, hey, this first summer, by week one, we're going to have this in. By week two, we're going to have this in. By week three, we'd have this. And then by week three, we were still trying to get the, the first week stuff put in. And it just, it, it takes it takes time. Um, and you have to, I think, just be patient enough to slow down and make sure kids have certain concepts before you throw them up throw too much at them. Um, And so, yeah, when I came in, you know, part of it is understanding what type of players you have, um, what will work with them. And and that's always changing. But I I think for the most part, you know, players can adapt to any system. Um, You know, we run a lot of would been, you know, kind of the Loyola concepts that they ran for, um, you know, that, that long run. I'm trying to think Oklahoma's coach now. Uh, Porter, Porter, Porter Mosher. Yep. Yeah, we, we put in a lot my first year of just those concepts. Um, and so what we've really tried to do is we have different alignments for our offense, but then they all end up getting into the same action, but on different areas of the floor. And so then all we really had to teach were, okay, we got to get kids really good at learning these particular actions, um, whether it's a back cut or a tight curl and then the screener pops or it's the zoom action, which bec- is becoming really popular. Okay, so we put in these actions and then, okay, how can we mask them with a different alignment so it becomes harder for the defense to recognize, okay, here they're getting into their zoom action. Um, and so that was kind of the, the first year was really teaching those. Um, and even the first two years, I think, what we really had to do was, okay, we would have to call, hey, we're going to run this action and this play this particular time. So it's going to be the Zoom action. Where I think we're having success now, and this was through the summer and through my assistants have done a great job of teaching this, um, and my my former assistants did a great job um, front-loading it, and guys learned the concepts. We've given them a lot more freedom and tried to – give more opportunities in practice to just do small sided games Mm -hmm. to where they start to read what the defense is doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where I think our offense has really taken off this year. The last couple of years, we've been very set oriented in the sense of, okay, we're going to run out of our five out. We're going to run a zoom action. Mm -hmm. Now we can tell them, Hey, run five out. And then the guys will read it. They'll either zoom and, and you hear guys talking like as they're getting into the action, Hey, zoom, Hey, whatever like whatever the call is and they're reading it in real time and i think a lot of that has just been we do it in practice um we'll spend we'll break them up into two teams each team is on offense for five minutes continuously just playing three on three on one side of the floor yep the offensive coach takes the offensive guys up top my defensive coach takes the defensive guys 
we just rotate in really quick. So in five minutes, I would say the offense probably goes through, you know, 40, 40 times maybe. Mm-hmm. And the defense, we say, you know, sometimes you can switch it. Sometimes, you know, try to hard hedge, whatever the case. And so guys are getting constant reps. Just, okay, what did the defense do there? Was that an opportunity to slip a screen? Um, and, it, and I think that has been the biggest change for us this year with our offense after getting everything implemented over the course of the last two years, which again, everyone, you know, I think you want to feel like you can get it in in a short period of time, but it really has been a long process to try to get to the point. And now a lot of these players have been with me for three years that they are really reading it at a pretty high level. Yeah. I think that's one thing that coaches get uh, frustrated with. Well, we've been doing this for three weeks. How come we're not quote unquote getting it yet? Yeah. Uh, because it takes time. Because it takes time. Uh, yeah. I really think that for a, a system to really get implemented, whether it's on the offensive side or the defensive side, to re- have it really hit its stride and be perfected, it takes about a year and a half. I, I, yeah. I, I really do believe that. And I saw that very young in my coaching career where we were doing some press work and run and jump and, and, and things like that. And it really took us uh, – about a year and a half for it to really become seamless and instinctual. And so uh, that's what, uh, that's what I've really adhered to is, uh, you know, coaches that, that jump from system to system. It's not system. It's not the system, so to speak. Usually, I don't want to say always, usually it's not the system. You got to give the system a chance to work. Um, And you've got to give it an opportunity to work. Um, because then you're just jerking your kids around, not only physically, but mentally. And now, yes. they're, now they're thinking too much, don't you think, Trevor? Yeah, and you, you have to, yeah. Again, and we talked about it earlier, you, you have to be willing to see it fail. Uh, but it, it, that's tough for kids, too. Like, hey, this isn't working. Like, they want to see immediate results. And so you, you have to give it some time. But the, the biggest thing, and then, too, I think when I first started, it was a lot of five on O. Mm-hmm. Five on O. So guys are in the right spots. But I think in adding the defense then has been huge. And so I've gone, not that I don't still do five on O, but I, I've tried to really limit that and say, okay, we're going to go 5v5v5 five 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 and we just go up and down with three different teams and they play and then they have to talk while they're waiting. Hey, what are we going to run down there? And then it just has given them so much more ownership, but then also to see, okay, how do I react to a live defense as opposed to, okay, well, I'm going to come off this ball screen and I'm going to, you know, drop it to the big man. Well, if that's not there, which that's what they've done every single time in five on O, what's the next plan of action. And that was our biggest thing is if an, if an action or a play doesn't work, how can we transition and, and keep the ball moving to where it has energy and the, the possession does not just stall out. Yeah. And sometimes you have to be, you, you said it, I, I love your quote there, Trevor, you have to see it fail. Sometimes I, I, I want to add on to that. Sometimes you have to see it fail and you have to let your kids know, no, it's, it's not the system. We have to do the system better. We yes. have to give the system a chance to succeed. It's not that. And, and we're not picking on you here, Billy. Um, but Billy, you got to screen better. It's it's not the play that's failing; it's your screening that's failing, and you've got to screen yeah. better. And if you do that, then it's really going to work. Yeah, 
And that's uh, so the coach, Coach Ole at Waukee, he always told the guys, like, you have to be so precise with everything. And his attention to detail is something I try to implement with our guys. He, he was had such a great attention to detail because he, he'd always tell them, he's like, hey, if you guys have surgery, he goes, do you want your doctor to be precise with his incision or is he going to, you know, and, and they're, uh, again, it's just a simple analogy. They're like, okay, we have to really focus on our screening angles, where the screen has taken place, where, you know, all of that stuff. And I think that helps guys then see some of, you know, the system works. It's just we have to be a little bit better, like you said. Yep. Great stuff, Trevor. Great stuff. Uh, hey, if folks want to know more about you or know more about your program, where can they find that at? Uh, they, on, on Twitter is probably the, the best place. Um, you know, ADM Basketball, uh, Tiger Hoops is our, our spot. That's kind of where we promote all of our uh, games and, and stuff coming up, and that's kind of our, our big communicator. But, yeah, we, we would welcome anyone to, that wants to to come out and check a game out uh, just just a, a short 10 minutes outside of, outside of Des Moines. So uh, we welcome any support we can get. Absolutely. Well, hey, Trevor, it's it's been a great discussion this, this morning into the early afternoon. Uh, neither one of us are popsicles just yet, uh, yet. but uh, but we're we're hanging in there. I while we were going here, my my AD sent me a text saying we're still on for tomorrow, which is very surprising. So I better get some film work done here this afternoon. Right, well, so uh, well, I, I appreciate you having me, and I appreciate every, everything you do for the game. And uh, good luck with the rest of your season. Yeah, yeah. I hope you had a good time on the pod. I did. It was great. Yeah, awesome. Well, hey, hold the line here just a second, Trevor. We're going to wrap yep. some things up here. Again, Trevor Michelson, the head boys basketball coach at ADM, just west of Des Moines there. Uh, great job. He's, he's, he's having a great year this season. Uh, check his team out if you get a chance. Uh, speaking of checking something out, check out COSAC Chiropractic if you're in the Omaha area. If you or anybody in your family or whatever, Dr. He- Kevin, Dr. Heidi, they are the best. Uh, so go check them out at 144th and Maple. Uh, check out. A pen and a napkin on Twitter. We try to put out daily and coachy tidbits. The one nice thing of being snowed in is I, I filmed about three or four two-minute drills uh, a couple of days ago and uh, going to be dropping those here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, did some napkins. So, yeah, it's it's been nice to have a little bit of time to catch up on some of those a pen and a napkin things. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Check out a pen and a napkin. Go to... Uh, uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get it, download, rate, review, give us five stars, do all that fun stuff there. Again, really great conversation with Trevor Trevor Michelson here uh, this morning. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.